0: Sometimes you want to assert something that's not the popular opinion, right? Like you just have this, like, this feeling inside you that says this, I don't agree with this. Well, it doesn't align with my values or the values of this organization. And I will say that whenever I, I'm getting ready to speak my mind and maybe voice the unpopular opinion or the more difficult, you know, option, I do get nervous. Like I, my palms start to sweat and like my upper lip gets sweaty and my heart starts racing so i start to feel very nervous but i what just helps me overcome that is it are my values like it's what's driving me to really speak up i will speak up for the things that really matter to me
1: that's ole garcia manager of college and career success at code to college She's our guest today on Designing Your Career and Life, Your Path to a Meaningful Life. It's a podcast brought to you by the UCLA Career Center. I'm your host, career and life coach, Jordan Manis. Each week, we feature an interview with diverse professionals discussing provocative career-related topics that inspire, transform, and empower you on a path towards a meaningful life. My guest today is Ale Garcia, the manager of alumni college and career success at Code to College. Ale has deep ties to UCLA, having obtained her bachelor's in psychology from UCLA and then working for a decade on campus as both an academic advisor and then a career educator. Ale possesses a master's in counselor education, school counseling, and guidance services from LMU. She's a proud first-generation college grad and a fitness buff. And now, my conversation with the eternal optimist, Ale Garcia. Ale, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, I was delighted to talk to you um, for a number of reasons, but one of the most important reasons is you are just one of the most genuine, authentic people I've ever met in my life. And I wanted to talk to you Uh, about a whole bunch of things today, but also about that very thing. How did you become so authentic and genuine? Were you always this way? Is it something you learned?
0: That's a very interesting question, Jordan. And again, thanks so much for having me. You know that I always love chatting with you and I miss our daily chats. I will say that I've always been an open book. And so I think from childhood, I've been one to talk about my life and things going on. I I found that it made others feel more comfortable. And then it also made it easier to relate to people because they would say, oh, yes, me too. Or, oh, I didn't know that about you. And so I think that that fact that I've always been open to share about my life, personal, academic, then like aspirations has helped me build genuine connections with people. and I've thankfully never had an instance where someone made me feel bad about what I shared for my story. So I've always felt very reaffirmed by what I've had to share when it's especially the personal stuff that I tend to share. so, I've learned also over time that you don't share everything to everyone all at once, but when you are in conversation getting to know someone, I I tend to be an open book and that's helped me feel really confident about telling my story. And over time I've learned how to tell my story in different ways to different audiences, but it's, I think just starting with talking about myself you know, and letting others talk about themselves and see where we can find a common point to continue that conversation. So, and then it's, I mean, it's my story to tell. So it's no one else's So, at just at that point, you know, it's authentic.
1: Absolutely. And I want to get into your story a little bit. You and I used to present workshops uh, together and teach courses together. And one of the exercises we always did is we would ask the students, what was your dream job when you were growing up and what do you think of that job now? And now I get to ask you that question today. So tell me what your dream job was when you were a youngster and uh, did you end up pursuing that or what do you think of that position today?
0: So my earliest memory for like dream job would definitely be teacher and so I loved school I, and my mom can attest to this she told me that when she dropped me off for preschool I was so excited I was waving her goodbye eagerly and like just ready to go um, I had some wonderful teachers growing up in elementary school and they were all very positive role models There was one teacher in particular when I was eight years old who did this wonderful act of kindness for my family when we were going through a very difficult, traumatic time. And that inspired me even more to be someone to help, to give back. And so although I am not a teacher today, I don't work in an elementary school or middle school or high school, I am an educator and I do give back. And I've found over time that I've always been interested in this. I've always valued this. But then understanding my skills and where I feel I'm most effective, I've found that working with older students and adults has been kind of my sweet spot. So I'm not a teacher, but I I will say that I'm doing something related.
1: Absolutely. You are in the helping profession. You're helping folks. You're inspiring folks. And You're helping um, individuals, oftentimes, who are first generation, Um, and you used to have a saying that uh, I don't think you were the one who we could say, we give you a copyright for this saying, but you did often say, uh, we don't know what we don't know. Um, And maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on what that means to you and also how you've been able to go about go about helping first generation students who um, have some unique challenges?
0: Yeah, so this is this is an excellent point they bring up, Jordan. So I do live by this. We don't know what we don't know, and this makes me think about how oftentimes we're feeling this pressure to make a goal, like you have to, you have to go to college, you have to get a career, like this is the outcome but we don't often know what our options are or what are the steps to get there and what are the more efficient or the most strategic strategic ways to get there. And when you're a first-generation college student, you might not have as many role models in your immediate network, your immediate community, your family to really guide you through that. And so you're doing a lot of figuring out on your own. And so I, I feel that my first... Um, mentors were were teachers in high school who had been to college and who could tell me a little bit more about that experience. But it all boils down to just becoming aware that we don't know everything and to really honing into that curiosity. That's going to be a huge part of this journey of exploration and decision making. It's really understanding what are your options? And so one of the pillars would be exploration and exposure, getting exposure. And so this is the first time our listeners are hearing about this. It's okay not to know because we just don't know what we don't know. But now that you know that there's so much more to know, then we would, I would really encourage everyone to ask more questions you know if you've already considered a career field such as for example for me you know teaching what other careers exist in education right and what are the different pathways to get there and that can start off with a simple google search and it could also go off to let me talk to a professional in the field let me follow up with ale and set up an informational interview and so it's really about that and i feel The reason why I've been able to do this successfully, it's because a little bit in part of my personality. I am more of the go-with the flow, like we'll see what happens. I'm very flexible. But I also have developed a growth mindset, which helps you see the good in every situation. And you see every failure, quote unquote, as a learning opportunity. And so at a young age, I was very open, very flexible. And I know this is more difficult for some than others. And so it is something that we can develop a growth mindset and become more flexible and more agile and more curious. And so for all those reasons, I would definitely encourage, you know, curiosity, becoming more flexible and uh, asking more questions.
1: Yeah. Such important wisdom right there and, and really good advice especially the part about, you know, looking at mistakes as learning opportunities and really opportunities to grow. And I think that is one of the strongest challenges that many people face, not just students, recent alumni, but people in life, uh, really a fear of failure, a fear of making that mistake. And um, you've come a long ways uh, in in your life, um, certainly, uh, and a lot of growth. So, how did you start to feel more comfortable making mistakes more comfortable um you know learning from these quote-unquote failures because it's not easy
0: i think one of my like college experiences would be having come have having, having started at ucla as an undeclared major and so i didn't already have a plan i came in you know with the intention of exploring my options And what really helped me become comfortable was hearing from advisors and counselors that you can take your time and explore different things, try out classes, take general education requirements, see what you like. And even if, and I would get this reassurance too, even if you have already made a decision, you can still find other ways to gain experience, to prepare yourself for a multitude of careers. And so I was hearing this communication from people that I trusted that you didn't have to have all the answers you can try something fail at it change your mind and the outcome would still be a good one and so for me I you know was very interested in psychology but I also wanted to challenge myself and you know I was like well what if I try the pre-med courses right let me take a let me take this life science course that's not the required one for my major but it could apply for treatment. And I remember I took the class and I definitely felt challenged by the class immediately. And I wasn't doing very well. I was kind of falling behind. I, I realized I wasn't very engaged in class. I wasn't actually very interested in the subject matter. And then I had a conversation with my teaching assistant and I let them, I asked them, straight up asked them, you know, what would I need to earn in my last exam to pass this class? And they told me, you know, I would need to get an A. And I just knew at that point that it wasn't something that I wanted to do. I didn't want to spend the next several nights, you know, sleepless nights studying for something that I wasn't very interested in. And that this may be the case for the next class and the next class and the next class. And so I made a decision at that point that it wasn't the best option for me and although it was a great option for others that is just not something that I was interested in or wanted to put all my energy towards and so I ended up dropping that class and I decided to just stick to the requirements for the psych major and those were the classes I was engaged in I did well in and that's what I stuck with and so I I am I'm proud of myself for trying it because I didn't stay with that. Like, I don't really know. But I'm also I'm more proud of myself for having made that decision that it's okay, that this isn't right for me.
1: So much life wisdom there. I think that being true to yourself, uh, so important. And, you know, you, you took on a new challenge, but right there, you realized it wasn't for you. And, and you said something else sir, that's really important is that you said it might be for other people might be right for them. But you knew for yourself, it was not the right thing. And so that makes me think of the five top five regrets of the dying book where the number one regret of the dying um, is I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And You know, being true to yourself and not just living a life of what others expect of you uh, is certainly a noble goal, but challenging sometimes. And, And I think through your work and your personal experience, you've seen that where some folks are really trying to, you know, meet the expectations important people in their life have for them and some people who have sacrificed a great deal for them what advice do you have for someone who's in that situation where they want to be true to themselves, but they're also trying to live the life that others who are important to them expect of them?
0: That is a very great question, Jordan. I know for me, I was very fortunate that my mom is and has always been very supportive of my academic and professional goals. Their minimum expectation was that I graduated high school and went to college. You know, that was definitely their expectation. Uh, However, I've talked to several peers and students, and I know that that some of these individuals want to pursue their, you know, their own goals, but they will have some other influencers in their life who are saying, well, you have to do this. Or sometimes it even gets to the point where if you don't do this, I'm not going to pay for your tuition. And that's a very difficult situation for someone to be in. And I I understand that this often comes from a good place from those people, but it can be very detrimental to the individual. And um, it can also start to build resentment, which is something that we don't, don't want. And regret, as you mentioned, like can develop regret over time. And so one of the things that I think is that can really help in this situation for the individual that wants to do something different, but maybe a parent or guardian relative mentor is saying, don't do that. What I would recommend is for that individual to really educate themselves on the, on the path that they are, they're considering that maybe it's not the one that, you know, the parent or guardian or mentor is sending them off to pursue. And so for example if your parent is set on you pursuing a STEM career because they believe or perceive that that's gonna be the more um, profitable, that you'll be more comfortable. But this individual is really passionate about creative writing, right? something more along the humanities or maybe the social sciences. Then what I would recommend that this particular individual is to really research what are those careers gonna look like? what is the income going to look like? What are your different options? What is the career advancement going to look like? And then have that conversation proactively. Come to the people that that are really important to you, that are trying to look out for you and present to them, you know, these are the options. This is what my career would look like. I would be very engaged. I would be very successful. These are the steps. So that they start to understand that there may also be other options because If we come at it from the point of they also don't know what they don't know, then we can start to reach a middle ground. And so we've all heard this knowledge is power. And so I would put the onus on the individual to to elevate their power by getting more information and then communicating that proactively so that you're not constantly reacting to someone who's just not understanding your goals. And so that's what I would recommend is do your research, get informed, educate yourself and communicate that to these people, show them what you found, and hopefully that will help them feel more excited and less concerned about you pursuing something that's different than what they imagine as your option for success.
1: Yeah, a very proactive approach. I like that a lot. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. My fourth grader, uh, each week, they have they take a, a class called social emotional learning, and they each week have a new theme. And this week's theme is being assertive. And when I think of you, I think of a an assertive, um, strong woman who is assertive, but not in a way that is off putting to anyone. But is certainly um, not afraid to speak her mind or um, stand up for herself. So I'm curious, where did that develop? and what advice do you have for people who are trying to learn how to be more assertive?
0: Well, I'm impressed that your son at fourth grade is taking these kinds of classes. That's awesome. I think emotional intelligence is so important. And so where, how did I develop my assertiveness? Well, I think at first it might have just been that I'm outspoken and maybe it's because I am, you know, one of four kids. and so I have brothers and I have a sister. Um, but I must say that I I learned it first from I had someone that modeled it for me. And so that was definitely my mom. My mom's a very confident, goal oriented, like outspoken person that will do and say what they have to, to meet their goals. And so I think I had a model for what assertive communication, assertive like orientation would really look like. But I think what probably had, what probably helped me become more assertive is having tried it and like in a real situation and it working out for me, and then just kind of re- encouraging me to continue doing so. And so, for example, in high school, I remember that we often had to take a vote on different things or we we could speak up if we wanted to change something. And I remember just, you know, bravely raising my hand to speak in, of an idea and it being well-received. And so that was definitely very encouraging. So the first step was just to try it, right? To raise your hand and just pitch an idea. And, you know, I wasn't sure if it was going to be well-received or not at that point, because there were people in the group who had more experience than me, but I just tried it. As a new professional, having graduated from UCLA, you know, I was eager to learn. I was eager to show that I was dedicated, that I had strong work ethic. I wanted to make an impression on my new employers. And so in the very first meeting that I had, first staff meeting where my supervisors, their supervisors sat, you know, and they were going around discussing meeting items. I didn't have any item to discuss, but I still raised my hand and asked a question. And I wanted to show my engagement and I wanted to be heard. And so I think what's very, what's going to help someone is to, from the beginning, to raise your hand, ask a question, be heard. And you'll see that when you are, when it's received well, it's going to encourage you to keep doing so. Um, another, another circumstance where I feel that I really demonstrate that, and it can help others too, is sometimes you want to assert something that's not the popular opinion, right? Like you just have this, like, this feeling inside you that says this, I don't agree with this. Well, it doesn't align with my values or the values of this organization. And I will say that whenever I, I'm getting ready to speak my mind and maybe voice the unpopular opinion or the more difficult you know, option, I do get nervous. Like I, my palms start to sweat and like my upper lip gets sweaty and my heart starts racing. So I start to feel very nervous but I what just helps me overcome that is it are my values like it's what's driving me to really speak up. I will speak up for the things that really matter to me. And I think my approach with that usually is to first start off by validating what's already been shared and agreeing with some part of that. So that you know you don't come off as someone that's just trying to be dismissive or you know, combative, like it's just acknowledge and, you know, validate. And then I will state, you know, my perspective and the reasoning behind it, but ending with, you know, wanting to reach a common ground. And so it's always the way that I think someone could be assertive is by stating their perspective, but also making room for a solution and for the whole group to come together to find a solution. It's never with the intention of I'm right, you're wrong. It's more of this is what I think can work. What do we all think? And having that solution-focused approach and mindset always reminds me that I'm not being aggressive. I am being solution-oriented and I'm speaking my, my, uh, my ideas, putting them into existence. So it can be scary, as you you all know, like it makes me sweaty and my heart race, but it can also be extremely rewarding because now folks will see, well, we have this person who's maybe willing to lead the charge and, you know, then you can gather some support from the group.
1: Yeah. And by doing that, you oftentimes empower others to do the same. I know from being in your presence and seeing you being assertive in this way, it's often given the green light to others to feel confident in speaking their truth. And I like how you shared that even sometimes you still get nervous um, when you're about to do what you're about to do in terms of being assertive, but you know it's the right thing, especially because of a feeling on inside and and learning to trust that gut, I think is also really critical throughout life uh, for, for everyone to start to trust themselves more. And so... I'm curious about um, success, and you've had a lot of success in your life, and you're doing some really wonderful things right now. Um, how does one start to define success on their own terms? How do how, how do people stop listening to, you know, what society is telling them success should be, and start defining success for themselves?
0: Yeah, I think that that success is something that evolves. And as we evolve and our goals evolve and, you know, life happens, we do, we do make changes. And I think that that's necessary. And it goes back to that growth mindset of being flexible and being open. And so for me, success has always been about my happiness is if, am I feeling happy? Am I feeling present in the moment? And do I have all my needs met? And, you know, by your needs, and especially for, you know, as being a first generation student, and there's always the concern of, you know, am I going to manage on my own? And so when you don't have the resources for your generational wealth, that could be your plan B. And so definitely find being financially stable Has always been a major goal, and so that's just the goal. Though I don't say that that's success. It's I feeling successful for me is feeling happy and feeling like I have all my needs met. And so, if it's financial financial needs, then being in a career where I can meet that need, I will feel successful, whatever that career is. And so, the other part, it's just and you've, you've synthesized this too, Jordan, is being able to be my true self. And so I mentioned earlier that I came into UCLA as an undeclared major. I actually graduated UCLA as an undecided, you know, career. And so I did do a lot of additional exploration after I graduated, however, In order for me to feel successful, I needed to make sure my needs were met and I was financially stable. And so I did have a job. I I had a job when I graduated from UCLA. It wasn't my quote unquote dream job, but I was happy because I wasn't stressed about money. And then that allowed me to have the mental clarity and the energy to explore my options. And so I did work for a couple years after undergrad full-time in an entry-level administrative position. I, f- I felt good. I got to travel during this time. I got to save some money. And then also have conversations with different professionals that were in the counseling and education field. And during that time, I started to paint a clearer picture of what I wanted my career to be long-term. And so I decided to pursue counseling, and I went to graduate school, was working full time while I was pursuing my graduate degree. And thankfully, I've been in roles that align with my studies and my interests ever since I finished my degree. So I feel like I feel that I've been successful since I've graduated, even though I didn't have that career in mind. I've always had my needs met. I've always felt at peace and I, I was always working towards something. And so I think that's another part for me. It's that I'm working towards something that there's a work in progress. And so I'm okay with that. Even now in my, this must be my one, two, three, fourth uh, career position out of college. I'm still feeling like I'm evolving and I'm growing and who knows my career may stay within education for the next decade or it might go into a different direction and so just keeping my options open my mind open and most importantly it's sticking to what makes sense to me at that point in time and so that helped me make a huge decision this year which was to move on from UCLA and that was a very difficult decision to make because i love the team, love the university, adore the students. And so it was a very difficult decision to make because career-wise, I was very happy there. But when I'm thinking about all my needs and it just wasn't aligning anymore with some of my other life changes. And so at that point, I had to make a decision and made a change. And so again, it's that redefining what success will look like for you so that it makes sense with your evolving self and your evolving life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we don't just design our careers. We design our lives and sometimes we have to make a career change to better fit uh, the life we are striving for. Ollie, I always like to close with a question um, about if you you know, could put a sign on one of those banners that is being pulled by a little prop plane, you see those banners and they have a message on them, you know, maybe you're laying on the beach and you look up and you see those planes going by. And if you could put one sign, one message up on one of those big banners being pulled by a prop plane, what would your message be?
0: Oh, yeah, this is a, this is a difficult one. Uh, is it okay if I borrow someone's someone's slogan? <laughs> sure. So I would probably take Nike's slogan and, and put, just do it. I think a lot of times we feel a little nervous or reluctant and we don't want to try something new. We don't want to, you know, make a mistake. We are afraid of the time it might take, um, the effort it might require. And I will say, just do it, you know, and if you can't do it all on your own, just figure out how else you can do it. But there's always a way. And so and I I feel very confident in saying that just by my upbringing, and by how far I feel that I've come, and how far I've seen others go. And so that fear, it's just that mental obstacle that can often be very paralyzing and come from a very valid place, but we want to kind of rationalize through it and take action. So that's what I would say. Just do it.
1: Fantastic. Ale, if people want to follow you or get to know a little bit more about you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yes, definitely. I would love for all of our listeners to add me on LinkedIn. My extension is Ale Garcia C2C. If you just search Alejandro Garcia, you're going to get way too many. So that's me, Ale Garcia C2C. Add me, let me know that you heard me on the podcast, and I would love to tell you more about my career.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Always love talking to you, and you have so much wisdom to share. Uh, It's just been a joy and a pleasure. Thanks so much
0: thank you jordan i appreciate the opportunity and i look forward to talking to you soon
1: we hope you enjoyed today's conversation tune in to the next episode of designing your career in life for another provocative interview discussing career-related topics that inspire transform and empower you on a path towards a meaningful life remember every single one of you has a purpose it's developed from your passion And when one is on point with that purpose, it can help change the world for the better. I'm Jordan Manis reminding you to design your life or someone else will. See you next time.